Israelites. We are in Mark chapter 3. I want you to notice in verse 1 it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when they had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. He stretched it out, out his hand, was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. I want to preach this morning on dealing with critics or how to deal with critics. And one thing we know, there are opportunities to serve everywhere all the time there is something that all of us can be doing to serve god and the way that god typically wants us to serve him is by serving other people by serving his people as if you're a part of a church you're going to have an opportunity to serve but a lot of times we're not paying attention to the needs of others we're not we're missing opportunities and you know it's often convicting when you see someone else doing something that it's like you know you should be doing and a lot of times what ends up happening Instead of you just getting right and you getting involved and starting to do those things, you can kind of just become critical and start criticizing what that other person is doing. And, um, you know, it, it, it often bothers people seeing somebody do that thing that they know they should be doing. Or it often bothers people, too, if they see somebody doing something better than them or something they're not capable of doing. And typically what those people do is they criticize the one who is doing something. And obviously... None of these, these Pharisees, they didn't have the ability to heal anybody. So instead of just being happy that Jesus healed a man, made his life better, what do they do? They try to figure out how can we destroy this guy? Because it was all about lifting themselves up. Anything they did, it wasn't about serving others. It was about lifting themselves up. And so something we've got to understand is because so many people today, they're, they're terrified of critics. They, or they are always trying to please the critics. But the truth is, even Jesus had critics and he was perfect. He was perfect, and people were still critical of him. Just keep that in mind whenever you just want to give up and you want to quit because somebody criticized you. That doesn't necessarily mean you did bad. You know what it probably means? It probably means you just did something if you're being criticized. And while I will speak very negatively about critics today, I just want to say I'm not preaching at critics today. Okay? I'm preaching, I want to preach today at those of you who let critics influence what you do. That's what, I, that's what I'm trying to preach at today. But let me just say this. If you, because a lot of times people, they don't, I don't think they know if they are the critic or not. You know, it's like, well, am, am I critical? I'm just stating the facts. You know, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm not, I'm not being critical. But let me just tell you something, okay? Here's what I want. You've got the critics who are criticizing people actually doing something. But then you have people that should be doing something that a lot of times for fear of critics just don't do anything. And I'm trying to preach at you today. Okay? I'm trying to preach at that group that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing because they're worried about the critics. But let me just also say this. If you're somebody who worries about the critics, it's probably because you are a critic. Okay? So just understand, I'm not really trying to preach at the critics today, but... You know, I'm trying to preach at a different group, but they're kind of one and the same too. Right? And, I, and, and maybe you'll understand that a little more as we get going in this. But here's the fact. 
we can't make critics go away. The critics are never going to stop. They're never going to leave you alone. But are we going to let them influence us? That, we, we can't do that. You know, we have, you know, I have critics. You know, I've got atheists, that, and I, I like to throw them a bone every once in a while, that literally, they still watch all my stuff. Just waiting to see if I say anything homophobic, okay? And for those of you assigned to watch me right now, just wait till June. It's coming, all right? June's next month. I'll throw you a few bones, I guarantee you, in June. Homophobics, just make sure you go to my backup channel, because that's typically what we do that on. <laughs> but they, they just watch everything. And, you know, just looking, hoping I'll say something that will successfully enrage the masses so they can try to get us canceled. You know, and... You know, I just don't care, okay? You know, I, I don't care. If I need to say something, I'll say something uh, about it. And, you know, typically when June comes up, I feel the need to say something. I get a lot of inspiration in June with all the perversion they want to shove down our throats. But, you know, we can't, we can't let them influence us. We've got to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. We have to learn to operate in a world where somebody's going to be critical of what you do. Somebody is going to say things about you. They're going to call you bad names. They're going to put labels on you that you don't want. That's just a part of it. And you know what? It's one thing, too, when it comes from the atheist world. We don't really care what they say. But, you know, we've got critics in the religious world, too. You know, we've got even Baptists that I think are assigned to watching all my stuff. So they can go report to people of influence if I say anything, you know, that's worth nailing me for. Because whenever I do have other preachers, you know, want to nail me for something... You know, I'll ask him, like, do you just, like, watch all my stuff waiting for me to say something? Oh, I, I don't even watch it. Somebody showed me. You know, because no, no preacher wants to admit, I watch all your stuff just waiting for you to trip up. But listen, these preachers, they don't have time for that. You know, they have cronies <laughs> that watch all their stuff. And then if I say anything good, they report, you know, to their masters. They're the, what we call water boys. And, you know, these people are also worthless. But, you know, we can't let them influence us. We can't let us, them stop us from doing what we're supposed to do. We, we, can't, we can't do that. You know what we have to do? We have to operate in a world where we're going to have hecklers. You know, we do anything. It seems like anytime something good happens to us, you know, then all of a sudden criticism gets ramped up. Why is that? Because people can't stand seeing good things happen to other people. They can't stand seeing you do good. And so they're going to come along and they're going to run their mouth. And they even did it to Jesus. In this story, he's doing something amazing, something they're not capable of doing. So what do they do? They've got to run their mouths. They got to be critical. And we don't, we just, we can't let these people ever stop us. You cannot let people within this church stop you. And there's, we're going to have critics in this church. And again, uh, we don't have any critics, do we? Listen, you, you might be the one you don't even realize it. I don't think most critics know they're critics, but uh, hopefully this message will help you find out if you are. Because I'm telling you right now, if you are concerned about criticism, if you are influenced by criticism, it's probably because you're a critic. It's probably because you're a critic and you need to get over that. But here's a few facts about critics. And that is that these people are observers. They are not doers. Notice what it says in verse 2. It says, and they watched him. Talking about the Pharisees watching Jesus. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. So here we have a man with a withered hand. Nobody's doing anything for him. And then we have Jesus actually come along who they know, hey, this guy actually could do something for him. They've seen Jesus do some miracles already. 
They know if anybody's capable of getting this job done, it's probably going to be Jesus. And this is just going to be one more time when he can, you know, upstage us, show us up, make us look bad, make us look inferior. So what are they doing? They're just watching. All right, let's see if we can find something. Hey, it's the Sabbath day. Let's nail them on violating the Sabbath. One of the Ten Commandments. Let's get them on that. And so they are. They're just, they're watching. They're not in the process of doing anything. There's, they've done nothing for this guy. They're just observers and not doers. And let me tell you, idle people, they're the ones who do the most talking. Did you know that, and th- this is just a universal fact. I've heard many pastors say this, and I can agree to it being in the ministry for a long time, that people who are busy serving the Lord just don't have time to criticize other people. They don't have time to get bent out of shape at what other people are doing. You know, busy people are always just glad to see other people doing something. That's just how they are. They are just glad to see anyone serving. But, you know, we've got a whole host of people out there today that are constantly just nailing people that are actually doing something. And a lot of times those people actually doing something, they get discouraged because somebody's nailing them for it. But listen, these are just idle people. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.13, and with all, they learn to be idle. He's talking about these women who don't have children, aren't keeping the house, don't have husbands. It says they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle. Okay? You know, I mean, what's wrong with just not doing anything? I mean, good night. They're not doing anything, right? Well, the problem is none of us just don't do anything. You know, the problem is when you have nothing to do, it's what you end up doing to fill your time. And these people, they end up being not only idle, but tattlers also. And busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Let me tell you something. If you're somebody who has time to just sit around and observe what everybody else is doing, it's because you're not doing anything yourself. It's because you're idle, and that's why you're running your mouth. And folks, you just need to understand you know, you're getting criticized right now because you're actually doing something. And, le- and here's the thing about whatever it is you do, whether it's a project around the church, you know, whether it's singing a special, what, 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 whether it's preaching a message, whatever it is that you're doing, the reason you're getting criticized is because you're actually doing something. And did you know literally anything that you do, somebody could do it better? Did you know none of us are the best at anything we do? None of us. But, you know, we're not supposed to call, we're not called to be the best, we're called to do our best. And when you get up and you just do your best, did you know you're doing the will of God? And the critics are right. Someone could do it better. And and did you know, it's possible too, they could do it better. You know, it's possible they could sing better, they could preach better. But here's the thing, they're not doing it. Where are they? Where are these people? You'll, you'll have people, you know, they'll have, there'll be a project going around the church, maybe some kind of building project going on. And you'll have somebody that goes and they volunteer their time and they do the work, they put in the labor, they put in the hours, and then you have this other guy in the church who could definitely do it a lot better. I would have done it that way. I'd have done, but you know what? You didn't do it. They did. They got it done. You didn't. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen this my whole life. And a lot of times, too, the sad part about it is the person that actually did something, they end up getting discouraged and they end up quitting because of the person that ran their mouth. Listen, you know what? You just have to ignore them. I wish I could figure out how to make them all go away. 
I wish I could figure out a way when somebody does something good and somebody does something around the church and they're a blessing, I wish I could find a way to just make everybody have the right attitude about it. But there will always be critics. There will always be somebody that will say something negative about it. But you know what? You're getting, being criticized right now because you did something. And you know what? No, they can't take that away from you. And you did your, if you did your best, if you gave it your all, God is pleased with what you did. And even Jesus had critics. So you know what? Just move on and go do something again and get criticized again. Just, we, we can't let these people stop us. You know how many people are losing rewards? They're losing an opportunity to hear a well done from Jesus Christ who knows your potential, who knows your abilities, who, who, who knows your heart, but you're going to miss that because you're afraid of getting a negative word from an idle, tattling busybody. Don't do that. We cannot give these people that power. And you know, that's one thing too. If I, you know, we, we, do, we all like to talk about the government so much and how they're always trying to take power. They're always trying to take our freedom and our liberties. Why don't we stand up? Why don't we do something about it? You know what? Why are we so pathetic that we'll let some idle busybody, you know, we give them the power to stop us from doing something for God with their opinion? You know, you know how many people are controlled by the tongue of some woman. Think about it, men. You know, you're, you're, you act like you're so tough, but you're just afraid some woman might say something negative about you. I refuse to give them that kind of power over me. And we do. Well, we like to talk about them busy body gossips and all that. Why don't we talk about the fact that we let them handicap us? We let them paralyze us. We let them cause us to do nothing. You know what? How about we just move on and keep going and let them run their mouth. You know, let it blow their minds. I, you know, I'm not, you know, not going to lie. I kind of get a pretty good feeling when I see I triggered the atheists again. When they share the clips of me preaching, it, it, it kind of gives me a good feeling. You know, and, you know, just get a good feeling. You ticked off an idle, paddling busybody because you did something for the Lord. And, you know, just take it as, take it as a badge of honor. And... Uh, you know, I do. I feel I, for for a long time. I got like on Twitter. I was kind of blocking all these anonymous accounts because they just annoyed me, and I have no respect for people who are critical in anonymity. I, I, I have no respect for that. But then I realized the way Twitter works, all these people coming and saying things, it was actually drawing attention to my offensive tweets that I personally thought were good. And I thought, you know, I should probably quit blocking these people because they're just making more people see this. And I don't mind triggering liberals. I, I, don't, I don't mind doing that, especially if it's with the truth. And so finally, I was like, you know what? I, I just kind of quit doing that just because of the fact that, you know, I'm not ashamed of what I do. And you know what? And I'm not, I'm not influenced about what I say for fear of criticism of these people. I'm, you know, the fact that they're talking about me just tells me I'm doing something. So it makes me, it makes me feel pretty good. We need to think about that. Notice also in verse 2, you know, so it says they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. They, the critics, they, just, they look for fault in any area. I mean, think about it. They're going to accuse him. You know, they're, they're finding fault in him healing somebody. That's a pretty amazing thing right there. But they've got to find something about it that was wrong. And so what they did, they focused on the Sabbath day because of the fact that this religious group, 
Okay? The Pharisees, they took something that was biblical, like the Sabbath day. Was the Sabbath day very important during that time? I mean, it was one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But we can see from reading the Gospels, they had taken the Sabbath day and actually made such a big deal about it, they turned it into a burden. And they really missed the point of the Sabbath day. And Jesus had to call them out for it. Jesus, had, Jesus rebuked them for what they had done to the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath day was good, but these people, they went to such an extreme with it that they actually made it a burden. And that's often something that people do in religion. They'll take something from the Bible, but then they'll, put, they'll prioritize it in an extreme way as a way sometimes to turn it into a burden, as a way sometimes, too, to create a contest and to create rules and a setup where they're guaranteed to win. And that, that's a very common thing. People do that often, even with soul winning. We believe in soul winning. Soul winning is biblical. God commanded soul winning. But just because we might soul win a little bit better than another group, it doesn't give us the right to just cream them for everything. It doesn't give us the right to even declare ourselves better than them. A lot of times, there's churches, maybe they're not as good at the soul winning as we are, but maybe they're more godly than we are. Maybe they've got people actually have their lives together. Maybe they've actually got happy marriages. Maybe they're actually raising good kids. They're actually doing all these other things that God commanded to do. But you know what? Maybe their soul winning is a little bit lame. Maybe they're not as confrontational as we are. But we've, what we've done, we've created a system where that's the number one thing, you know, and who cares about all that other stuff? And so anybody that's not as good as us in this area, you know, we have the right to cream and nail and criticize. No, I don't think so. You know, a lot of times we find out Lord's priorities are not our priorities. Now, we've, we've, we've convinced everybody that the Lord's on our side because we've got our verses that everyone in the church knows. But you know what? Let's, you know, you'll go through Paul's writing sometime and see how much of it is focused on soul winning compared to how much is focused on godly living. You know, let's talk about that sometime. Oh, but wait a minute. We don't know all those verses about that. You know why? Because they're not shoved down your throats all the time. Okay? And, and let me tell you, reaching the lost is definitely in Paul's writings. There's no doubt. But there's a lot of other stuff, too, that's like other people like, oh, we don't even care about that. Well, why not? This is not emphasizing their church. And again, what, what happens in religions many times, and in church, even in individual churches, we do. We kind of look at our situation, and we find all these Bible verses showing, okay, we're doing this, we got this, we got this. And so those are the things we focus on all the time. Those are the things we talk about all the time. So we convince ourselves we're doing good, but there's other stuff in the Bible God wants us to be talking about too, and those things never get brought up. That's not right. And then all of a sudden, maybe somebody's reading their Bible one day and saying, you know, maybe we should probably do some of this. Maybe I should do some of this in my life. And we see them showing us up in an area. We see them maybe being a little more godly than us. And what do we do? We call them a holier than thou. And we got a verse that says holier than thou too. You know, and that, that's not right. We make up our own priorities. What Jesus did in this story definitely wasn't sin, but you know what they did? They had to find a way to connect it to a sin. And so what they did, they had perverted the Sabbath to suit their own agenda instead of just remembering the Sabbath in the way that God ordained. So what they did is, you know, yeah, he did a good thing, but he also violated the Sabbath. 
Therefore, what he just did was bad. No, there was absolutely nothing bad. They were misusing the scriptures. And so just because somebody quotes a verse does not mean they're in the right promoting righteousness. Now, we all need to get a hold of this, too. Okay, because critics, they, these people, they brought up the Sabbath. That's biblical. Critics in church will often bring up Scripture when criticizing you. And, you know, folks, there's something in the Bible that nails all of us. So, you know, we can always nail somebody with, with something in the Bible. But the timing of critics is always interesting. But, listen, again, just because just a Scripture came out of somebody's mouth does not mean their application is right. Let me go through a passage right here. Matthew 5, 38. Jesus speaking says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that has been said. You know where that was said? That was in the Bible. That was in the law. Jesus said, You've heard that it's been said that. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. How do you get that from eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Well, I don't have time to go into all that, but let's keep reading this. It says, But if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven... For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. That has been said. Yeah, that also was in the Old Testament. But you know what? Some of what these people were saying was from the Bible, but it was crystal clear these people had no idea how to actually apply it to their lives. And folks, just over and over again, I see examples where people, they quote Bible, but then, when it, they make application, it's completely against what the Bible says. Tonight, I'm going to start going through 1 John. Did you know there's a lot of truths people preach from 1 John, but they actually misapply the scripture that they use 1 John? It's like, please don't do that. And then there's a lot of bad doctrine people preach from 1 John, just bad things. You know, sinless perfection stuff. And, and they use verses. But they're not using them in any way like John did. And, and it's, it's really interesting when we actually use the verses the way the writer was using them, it really puts a whole new perspective on things. For example, and I want you to ponder on this one for a little bit. We're going to talk about tonight. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful verse that is. But let me tell you something. There's something special about why John said that, how he said that, you know, why he said it that way. It, it, it's it's really good. And we often don't even use it the way he did. And it's like, man, that's good stuff right there. You know, it's actually a really good eternal security verse. It's it, it really is. But we don't often use it for that. But it gets used, you know, we use all kinds of things just the wrong way. People are often in error. And we got to watch out for that. And a lot of times, too, people will be intimidated. They will stop. They will let people stop them from doing the right thing. And a lot of times, I must be doing something wrong. They use the Bible verse. They use the Bible verse, but they misuse that Bible verse. You know, don't let people do that to you. Don't let them have that kind of power over you. And at the end of the day, we're all just sinners trying to do our best for God. 
Somebody's always going to be able to find something wrong with what we do. But here's the question. Are you doing your best? Are you doing it from the heart? Are you doing it for the Lord? Do you really think the Lord is upset with what you did? Do you really think the Lord is upset with how you, you know, you know, did that work? Hey, listen, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. If you're doing it for the Lord, you know, you're fine. You know, somebody criticizes your soul winning. Listen, all of us could do better on our soul winning. All of us are a work in progress on that. We're always getting better. We're always getting better. Somebody can always say something. And again, you know, there's good criticism and bad criticism. Sometimes we need somebody to correct us and help us. Some people are just being critical. You know, they're just trying to tear you down. Don't let those people affect you. Notice also and back in Mark chapter 3, in verse 4, it says, And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days? He knew what they were thinking. I mean, and listen, there's no doubt Jesus is not violating anything. He's violating maybe one of their traditions because of what they had done to the Sabbath. He's not violating any law by healing a man on the Sabbath day. And let me just say this too. Even if Jesus would have went out and dug a ditch on the Sabbath day, he wouldn't have been violating the law because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the rule maker. And it was in the law that when he came, whatever he said to do, they were supposed to do it. So just, just mark it down. Okay? Even, if, even if he was out digging a ditch on the Sabbath day, Jesus wouldn't have been violating anything. He had the right and the authority to do that because he was Jesus Christ. But, so he brings it up. He asks, is it lawful to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. You know, and it's interesting, too, because the critics, they always run their mouth after. You know, they want to wait and see what you do, because no matter what you do, they're going to criticize you. I can't believe he didn't take care of that guy. You know, just because it's a Sabbath day, it sounds like an excuse to me. That's what they would have done if he didn't heal the guy. Thankfully, Jesus didn't worry about pleasing them, and he just did what needed to be done. Because no matter what you do, you're going to get criticized. And so they, these people, they were afraid to take a stand. You know why? Because critics fear critics. That's all there is to it. Critics fear other critics. Critical, they weren't going to say anything. Well, you know, I think it'd probably be okay. But if I say that, these Pharisees are going to jump down my throat. You know? And then, too, if I say, well, no, you're not allowed to do that. Well, that's just kind of dumb. I don't look stupid. And I've seen Jesus put too many people in their place when they've asked them questions. And I don't want everybody thinking I'm an idiot. So none of these people are just interested in getting to the truth or even, you know, they were just there to criticize. That was it. But when Jesus gave them a chance to actually say something before he's done anything, you know what they did? They all kept their mouths shut. That's when they kept their mouths shut. You know what? Because critics fear other critics. Critical people often reveal their own fears and insecurities by how they act and by what they criticize other people. They know they should be doing more, but they're afraid. And it's almost like they're doing what they do to others. You know, they, they do to others what they fear will be done to them just to see what will happen. It's, it's really all there is to it. Because you know, why do you think everybody is going to say this about what you do? Why do you even think that? You know why? Because that's what you would say. That's what you would do. We often judge people the way we are in our own heart. And so I don't want to get up and sing a song, you know, if I hit a sour note, everybody's going to think this, this. No, that's what you think when someone else hits a sour note. 
You know, the, you know oh, they're just going to think, if, if I get up there and sing a song, they're just going to think I'm just trying to bring glory to myself. You know, no, that's what you think about other people. You're showing how critical you are you know, by your fear of criticism. And, that, and folks, this is right now how you figure out if you're the critic. If you're sitting on your hands doing nothing because you're afraid of what other people are going to think, you're probably the critic. That's how you feel about other people. That's how you feel when you see other people doing things. And you know what you need to do? You need to get right with God and stop being so critical. And you know what you need to do? What will help you quit being a critic, again, is just getting busy and being faithful. When I worked out the distribution center, we had a certain workload that we had to do every day. And, you know, obviously there were people that did not do that job well. But you know what? Every day when I showed up, I was always glad to see every person that was there. Because the more people there were, that was the less work I had to do. And even if they didn't do it as good as I would like them or fast as I thought they should, I was just glad they were there doing something. Because we'd have those days, too, where everybody calls off and doesn't show up. And that, that was just more work for the rest of us. That stunk. We, you know, we hated that. So I was always thankful to see anyone that was there. The person I was critical of was the one who didn't show up. The one who did nothing. And I'm telling you, busy people that are doing a work for the Lord, they don't have time to criticize each other's work. It's the people doing nothing. They're the ones that are often being critical. And we cannot let these people control us. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Some of us, are you're, you're caught in a snare right now. You've allowed a woman to trap you with her opinion. You, you've allowed somebody to literally stop you from serving God because of that face that they make at you. That negative, that displeased look. Or that, you know, just whatever. You're so scared of that that they've literally got you in a snare. You're in a trap. It, that's, folks, that stinks. Do you really want to let people have that kind of power over you? I used to tell that to teenagers all the time and the kids in the, when I was teaching in the Christian school. They're always, well, this person said this, this person does that. It's like, stop giving that person the power to pretty much snap his finger and control your emotions. You know, just learn to ignore. Learn to just do what you're supposed to do anyway. But people... They, let them, they stay in these traps. These critics, they'll speak about you behind your back. We see in verse 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. They didn't rebuke him even right then. They saw what happened. And good night. I mean, after he did this great work, you know, you know, what are we supposed to do? We can't say anything right now. So let's go, get, let's go team up with the Herodians. Let's go have a talk. Let's figure All right, what, what can we do to take this guy down? We've got to figure out how to take this guy down and ultimately they you know like on one hand they succeeded but on the other hand they failed didn't they eventually they got him killed but that didn't work out very good because that uh he he came back from the dead but you know right here this is what people fear the most is people talking about him they're, they're terrified of that you know how many preachers are out there today that aren't preaching what they should preach because they're afraid people are going to talk about them you know some preachers Y'all be scared if people aren't talking about you. Because again, it means you're not doing anything. And we, we cannot do that. This, this is how they try to control you. They know that things are going to get to you. A lot of times people, they don't have the guts to tell you something to your face. But they know if I talk about it enough, it'll get to them. And they'll find out that we feel this way. They find, they'll find out we think this way. And hopefully that will handicap them. 
When I was in the Christian school, people, they knew how to like talk about things that I was doing and, you know, know who to tell so it would get to my wife so she could then relay it to me. And you know what I would do with that? I'd ignore it every time. I, I just it would ignore it so, just to force these people to come bring their petty issues to me and feel really stupid doing it. And, and because that, that's just wrong. But I wasn't going to be controlled by second, third, fourth hand information. I wasn't going to let them influence me in that way. That's not how it works. If you got a problem, you got to come tell me. And don't go tell these other women who are going to go tell my wife who's then going to come tell me. It will be ignored that way. But a lot you can't fear that. And people are going to do that kind of stuff to you. That's how they, that's how they try to control you. People know what they're saying. People know what they say is going to leak out. And that is. That's why they often talk to others. But so don't let that work. Make it be firsthand information that, you know, if, if you are going to be influenced. You know, it said real criticism, too, the good kind of criticism. You know, there is the iron that sharpens iron. You know, there is, a, uh, you know, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. There is, again, there is loving criticism that's out there. But it, the loving criticism, it doesn't come from a second-hand, third-hand source. It comes directly from the individual. And so let those people be an influence. You know, friends, people who you know love you, who will come and tell you, hey, you're doing this wrong, you should be doing this. That, you know, that, that kind of criticism, we should receive that and, you know, let that affect you, but not the, not the other stuff. And so these people, they weren't willing to just confront Jesus to his face. They had to do things behind closed doors. They ultimately, they were seeking how they could destroy him. And a lot of times that's what critics want to do. They want to destroy. And again, if you have opposition, it just means you're doing something. It means you're going against the flow. It means you're swimming upstream. It means you have life. If if you're actually facing criticism, if people are talking about you, it just means you're doing something that's worth talking about. And Unfortunately, many people are just missing out on opportunities because they're, they're so afraid of these people. And you know what? They're not going to go away, folks. We, we, can't, we can't make them go away. You know, we tried to, for the last two years to figure out how to live a life hiding from germs. There was no way to live, was it? You know what most people are figuring out? Hey, we got to just learn how to live with flus and sickness and bugs. We just gotta, we gotta, we gotta live with it. Hey, it's no fun when you get sick. It's no fun getting the flu. But you know what? It's no fun hiding from it either. It's no fun living in fear. And let me tell you something. I can't figure out a way to just make critics go away. They're like viruses. I can't find a way to, you know, just make them all just start doing the right things. You know, what we gotta do. We gotta learn how to operate in a world where there's critics. You've got to learn how to serve in a church where there's going to be critics, where people are going to be critical. And you know what? How do we handle the critics? We do it just like Jesus did. You know what he did? He just kept on serving. Jesus understood he was serving God, not man. Remember our mission. Jesus said in John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of you which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus had a mission, God's will. And so whenever 
he had man get mad at him, it didn't matter. You know why? God's will is what mattered to him. That was all he was focused on, and he just went on in spite of it. And yes, it got him killed. But you know what? That was God's will. That was God's will. That was not what Jesus wanted. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We've got to remember our goal is to please God and not man. I love what they said in Acts chapter 5 when they got in trouble for preaching. They said, we told you not to do that. They said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And, you know, they got in all kinds of trouble on earth for that. But you know what? Nobody ever stopped them because they were focused on the will of God. And so when it comes to, you know, I said this message, if you're a critic, I hope it convicted you. I hope it'll help you get some things right. I hope it'll help you get busy or just keep your mouth shut. But at the end of the day, you know what? You people are never going to go away. <laughs> Critics are always going to be around. And if you quit, someone else is going to take your place. So at the end, I'm talking to really everybody and just saying, don't let it affect you. Just do something. And, you know, who, and who cares? Yes, somebody could have done it better. Yes, you didn't do it perfect. But that's, that's our life. Here's a question. Did you do your best? Did you do it for the Lord? If you did, they can't take your reward from you. But they, you know what they can do? They can handy, if, if you let them, they can handicap you to where you're not getting anything done out of fear of them. You know what? Just keep on going. Just keep on serving the Lord. Do whatever. And who cares what people think? As long as you know you're in God's will, you're okay. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help and encouragement to everyone. I thank you, Lord, for uh, just all the services in this church, Lord. So many people uh, involved in different areas. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you won't let anybody uh, miss out on blessings for fear of criticism and what others might say. But you'll help them to just do the right thing, uh, no matter what other people think or say or, or do. In your name we pray. Amen.